Okay, Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, when you have it, say it's time to grow. Okay. It says, but a certain man named Ananias, which with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also, being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Someone say, ooh. Verse 4, while it remained, he says, while it remained, uh, it says, not for yourself, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? He says, you have lied not to men, but you have lied to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, watch this, fell down and he breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped them up, carried them out and buried them. And verse 7 says, now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? He says, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at your door and they will carry you out. And then immediately she fell down at his feet and she breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. Watch this. So great fear came upon all the church. Someone say all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Father, tonight we ask for the blessing of your word upon our lives. We pray for open minds and open hearts. Each one of us has a desire to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, before you're seated, tell them don't hold back. Go ahead and be seated. Heavy scripture, right? Heavy scripture. In this story, in the book of Acts here that we read to you tonight, how many have read it before? How many have ever had a challenge understanding this scripture? Right? I'll tell you, I've always struggled in the understanding of the death of Ananias and Sapphira. And it wasn't until I became a pastor. And I want to say this to you is that, you know, there's going to be things in the kingdom of God that you don't understand now, but one day you will fully understand. There are certain scriptures in the Bible that I always struggled in understanding until God began to raise me up. And when God began to raise me up, I began to gain fresh understanding from the scripture. And it wasn't until I became a pastor that I really started to understand this particular scripture. What was happening, as we read, is that Ananias and Sapphira had sold a piece of property. And instead of doing what was right, instead of giving what was right, and understand, like Peter said, they weren't giving to man, right? But who were they giving to? They weren't serving man, but who were they serving? Is there anyone here that serves God tonight? Instead of, you know, doing what was right, the Bible says that they gave some 
but they withheld some for themselves. Look over to your neighbor and tell them it's dangerous to hold back. It's dangerous to hold back. By doing away with Ananias and Sapphira, in other words, by, by Ananias and Sapphira actually breathing their last, actually dying in this story, the Lord did away with them. What the Lord was doing by doing away with them is that Father God was actually protecting the spirit that was on the early church. Now, now this is where my understanding came in. Where I didn't understand it before, as a pastor, I now understand that God will do all he can to protect an anointing. And God will do all he can to protect a spirit on a church. There was a spirit in the early church. There was a spirit of generosity, right? The Bible says in Acts 2 that they shared in all things, right? So in Acts 5, here they come trying to lie to the Holy Spirit. And God says, no, I can't have none of that in my house. So he does away with that selfish spirit because it was about the family. How many can say amen? It was about the church going forward, and God was protecting the spirit that was in the early church. There was a spirit of generosity, and there was an explosion that was taking place. There was actually a revival that was taking place, and, and God knew that if he let that lying spirit continue, and he allowed that spirit of falsehood continue in the house of God, revival could no longer take place. Place. See, friends, what I want you to understand tonight is that the victory of the church always rises and falls upon the condition of the leadership. Do I got anybody with me tonight? The success of the church always rises and falls on the condition of the hearts of men and women who are in leadership. I want to say this to you tonight is that our vision. How many know God has given Victor H a big vision? Our vision demands leadership. Our vision demands leadership. Now, I know tonight this message may not be for everybody. But I want to tell you that in order to fulfill the plan that God has for our church and God has for our ministry, our vision demands leadership. And one thing that we're always strategizing to do as pastors and we're always strategizing to do in the ministry is to figure out how can we raise up men in the and women in the church who can do two things. If you have a pen, write this down. We need to strategize on how we can raise up men and women in the church who can do two things. Number one, we need men and women who can understand the biblical mandate God has placed upon people to answer the call of God into the ministry. We need people who will hear the mandate to answer the call of God into the ministry. And I want to tell you tonight, if you're sitting here, I believe that God has a calling upon your life. You say, oh, pastor, how could you say that? You don't know the condition of my life. I don't need to know the condition of your life. I know what the Bible says. And God is not looking at the condition of your life. God is looking at an open heart tonight. God is looking for someone here tonight 
that is open to the things of God, open to a move of God, open to say, God, I may not have much, but little is much in the master's hand. And whatever I have, I'm willing to put it in your hand so that you can put it to good use for your glory. See, we need people who can understand that there's a calling upon their life. And he's looking for us to be the ones who respond. He's looking for us who will take the calling of God upon our life seriously. Seriously. How do you know someone is taking the call of God upon their life seriously? I'll tell you how. Is they're always in a constant place of preparation within their life. How do you know someone has taken the call of God serious? They're preparing all the time. They're always in a place of preparation. Now, now I know I, I could see. Let me just say this early in this message right now, because I already knew that this message was only going to apply to certain people. But let me say to some of you, some of you need to wake up. OK, I'm going to just say this. I didn't plan. It. I'm going to say it now. Some of you need to wake up. Your Christianity is bigger than what you're making it. Your Christianity is bigger than you just coming to church on Sunday night and coming to church on Sunday morning and showing up to get a few little goosebumps. Don't you understand that you've been created for a purpose? You've been created for a reason. God didn't save you to come and warm a pew on Sunday night. He saved you because you got a plan. and a, So you, some of you need to wake up tonight and understand that you're bigger than that. Tell your neighbor, you've been called. See, God is looking for people who will understand that there's a calling upon their life. And how do you know someone is moving in that call? Is they stay in a place of preparation. The second thing we need is not only people that understand that there's a calling on their life, but write this down. We need people who can see the future of what God wants to do. We need people here tonight. Now, if you're here tonight, I believe you're here for a reason. But what I believe we need is we need people who can see the future of what God wants to do. What am I saying? We need people who can dream with us. We need people who can dream with us. We need people who can get behind the vision of Victory Outreach, not only here locally in San Diego, but can get behind the vision of Victory Outreach internationally and all over the world. That God has a big plan for the people of the inner city of the world. And we've got to get into a place where we can see that plan come to pass. We need to open up our eyes and understand that we've been given a window of opportunity. Have you been watching the news lately? Have, do you watch the news? Who watches the news? Let me see. Those of you that watch CNN, Fox News, MSNB, who, who always has the news channel? Isn't it so depressing? Right? Sometimes I just have to shut it off because it's one negative story after another. They're killing each other in Chicago. ISIS cutting people's heads off. This one did the, This one did It's one negative. But do you understand that that's the world we live in? And this is a time right now where the church in America has fallen asleep. We come to church just seeking our own blessing and seeking our own increase and seeking our own breakthrough and just trying to get a little bit of hope for our own life. And don't you understand that hope will hit your life when you learn to help someone else hope for their life? We've got to get to the place 
where we see the vision of what God wants to do, not only in us, but what God wants to do through us. You know what I believe is happening is that God is looking to and fro right now. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro right now. Now, now some of you, you know, you need to understand that God's looking right now. We're in a time right now where God is looking. He's saying, who, who, who's open? Who, who's open right now? Or who's still stuck? Okay, I'm, I'm not going to look at them. But who's open right now? Who's the ones always still in the negative? Okay, no, I'm not going to pass. You pass right over that negative. Who's open right now? Who's open to a move of God? Who's open for me to pour out my anointing over their life? Who's open for me to speak to them? Who's open for me to use their gifting and talent for my glory? The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro for those that are willing to even be spiritual fathers in the house of the Lord. I've been thinking about our ministry and thinking about that many of our spiritual fathers have gone on to be with the Lord. Many of the, the pioneers of our ministry have gone on to be with the Lord. But how many know God's not done with Victory Outreach? How many know God's just getting started? And you know what God was showing me? He was showing, you know what? Who are the spiritual fathers? The spiritual fathers are here right now. The future spiritual mothers and the future spiritual fathers of Victory Outreach are sitting in our midst. They're sitting in our churches. They're sitting in our men's and women's homes all over the world. And we need fathers to begin to raise up, mothers to begin to raise up. Before you can be a spiritual father, you must also be willing to be a spiritual son and daughter. Before you can disciple, you must also be someone who's willing to be a disciple. Let me ask you a question. Are there any disciples in the house tonight? Are there any people that say, man, I'm willing for God to work with me. I want to be worked with. I'm so excited because we, we have that table, the Emerging Leaders Academy, an idea the Lord gave me because I see a lot of young leaders rising up. And I was so blessed to see that we had 80 people sign up, 80 people in our church. And almost all of them are qualified. I would say 90% of them are qualified to get involved in this class. Some of them need to do some other things before they sign up. But they're excited at least. I'll take it. At least they're saying, hey, I don't have it all together, Pastor Al, but you know what? I know that there's a plan. I know that there's a vision, and I want to be a part of the future, what God is doing in Victory Outreach. How many could get excited about that today? There's a hunger for people to begin to answer the call of God and to see this vision expand into the next generation. And I've been listening to a lot of old Victory Outreach tapes. How many of you know what a tape is? Some of you don't even know what a tape is. You know, some of you don't even know what a CD is. Amen. But back in the day, they used to record these services on tape, cassette. And you play it in your car. You would put it in your Walkman. And I have a whole bunch of tapes. And I've been listening to the spiritual fathers of our ministry begin to talk about the vision and talk about where the ministry was in the early 80s and where the ministry was in the late 80s and where the ministry was in the early 90s. Man, even where the ministry was at the turn of the century in 2000. And now here we are in 2015 and we are in a similar time. We've been given an opportunity to begin to see new leaders begin to rise up and answer the call of God in their lives. Life. And let me say to you, we're never going to be the ministries God's called us to be until some of you rise up and answer the call of God. 
So as we look to the future, we need leaders. What type of leaders are we looking for? I want to just give you a few things. You into this tonight? All right. Number one, we need leaders in our church who are looking, or excuse me, we, we need leaders in our church, and we need to look for those leaders who are developing in their character. Developing in their character. Everybody say character. I think one of the challenges that we have is so many times we just look at people's giftings and look at their talents. We just look at their outward appearance. But what we really need to look at is we need to look for leaders who are, have a sense of quality within their life. A sense of quality. What does that mean? That simply means that we need leaders that have spiritual backbone. Spiritual backbone. We need people who have character. And if we're going to be able to dream and be able to do big things for the Lord in the future, I believe God has big plans for us. Then we can't do it with leaders that don't have spiritual backbone. We need leaders who are developing not just their gifting, not just their talent, but they're developing their character. And how many know this doesn't happen overnight? It doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. It literally takes years. It takes a lot of time in order to develop character. You say, well, pastor, how do I know I'm developing character? How do I know if I'm growing in this area? Well, I want to say to you that the victories and the failures are the things that shape us into the person that God has called us to be. For every victory you've experienced in your life. How many have ever had a victory in your life? How many are experiencing victory in your life right now? For every victory. How many have ever had defeat in your life? How many have ever suffered loss in your life? How many have ever been in a place where you didn't get what you desired? For every victory and every defeat is something that is shaping you into the man or the woman that God has called you to be. I've got a question for you tonight, church. Do you want to be a mushroom or do you want to be an oak tree? You know, it doesn't take very long for a mushroom to grow. They say it only takes six days for a mushroom to grow. How many have ever seen a mushroom Christian? On fire for a month. On fire for a few weeks. They come every Sunday for a little while. They might come on Sunday night for a little while, but then a small wind blows their way. And they don't come anymore. You know what that is? That's a mushroom. Some of you, some of your friends, some of the people you hang out with, you hang out with mushrooms, a bunch of mushrooms. And you're a field of mushrooms. <laughs> Rapid growth. Here one day, gone the next. In the home one day, gone the next. In the women's home one day, good attitude one day, bad attitude the next day. You know what we need? We need some oak trees to rise up in our church. It takes a mushroom six days to grow, but it takes an oak tree 60 years. 60 years. When I think about character and I think about a leader of character I think about Moses it took Moses 80 years before God could use him 40 years in Egypt 40 years in the backside of the desert and then he saw the burning bush and that's when God raised him up it took him 80 years to be the man that God called him to be but here's what I want to say to you we ain't got 80 years My God, by the time you, that would mean that by the time you grow, I'm going to be dead. 
I'm not going to be here no more, amen? And probably half the people in your row would be bad. We don't have 80 years. We are in the last days. We are in the last times. And we need some people that are going to start getting serious about the plan of God in their life. Stop chucking and jiving. Stop playing games. Stop coming to church just to check everything out. You're never going to get there. It's time to be like Paul. It took Moses 80 years, but Paul, man, God used him quick. Tell your neighbor, God used him quick. He got knocked off that horse. Come on, somebody. And right away, he went to Ananias' house, and the Bible says he prayed for him, and the scales fell from his eyes. He was blind, blind for three days, and the scales fell from his eyes. And then immediately, the Lord started speaking to him. Immediately, the Lord started pouring into him. Immediately, he was caught up into the third dimension, the third heavens, and had a revelation, knew about the Spirit, had all that learning, all that stuff that came from the Lord. And then immediately, he got to work. And what happened is that he submitted his life to the Holy Spirit. You want God to use you. How many want God to use you? How many, want, how many believe there's a plan of God in your life? Then you need to stop messing around and submit yourself to the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost do a rapid work in your life. That's what I believe is going to be happening in 2016. That's what we're preparing for. That's what I'm preparing myself for. I'm preparing myself right now. I'm already getting ready because you're going to see some new leaders that God is going to begin to raise up in our midst that are that they're not playing games, but they're in submission to the Holy Ghost. And they're saying, Holy Ghost, do whatever it is that you desire to do in my life. Oh, man, I'm getting myself excited. I'm getting myself excited, man, because I want to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be left out. I want to stay in the move of God as well. Come on, say amen. See, when it comes to leadership, for some it takes longer than others. Why? Because they don't want to submit. That's a fact. They don't want to submit. But Paul submitted. What are the areas that, is, is this okay or should I just wrap it up? Okay, give me a few more minutes, okay? What are the areas that God wants to develop? Let me, let me say this. Number one, not charisma. Okay, got a lot of charisma here today. We got some hustlers here tonight. You a hustler. You know, you came from the street, a hustler. So you're not short on charisma. So not charisma, but conviction. We need some leaders that have some conviction within their life. We need some leaders that are not going to live by their gifting and their talent, but have conviction of the word of God in their life. Now, understand, we all have room for growth in this area. Even me, after serving the Lord all these years, God's not done with me yet. Say, Pastor Al, do you have rough edges? Yes. Pastor Al, do you have weaknesses? Absolutely. Pastor Al, do you fail from time to time? Sure I do. Last night I hit my dog so hard in the head. I hurt my hand. He was tearing up my trash can at 2 in the morning in my room. I had to feel it. I went, ouch, that was too hard. I got some weaknesses. And we, we can all strive to be better ministers of the gospel. I want to talk to some of our ministers and some of the leaders here, some of our existing leaders. We have emerging leaders, but we also have some exi existing leaders. Let me say something. I don't care what title you have. You haven't arrived yet. 
You're not a perfect leader. You're not a perfect minister. You're not a perfect husband. Well, I have all my vet units. I don't care how many vet units you have. Well, I have this. I don't care. I've been here. and I don't care what you've done. We are all still in the process growing to be what God has called us to be. Touch your neighbor and tell them we're still growing. What does God want to develop? Is this all right? He wants to develop our conviction. Secondly, he wants us to grow in our family situation. All right? In our family situation. One of the hardest things is to be in front, in the front of the ministry, right? Whether you're running that cell group or you're running that home or you're running that, that uh, um, you know, that that group or that ministry or that department or even serving in the church. One of the hardest things to do is to be in the front of the ministry and having after service to go home to internal struggles. You know, married people, you drive in the church, you're in the car, you're having a disagreement. She tells you, shut up. You tell her, no, you shut up. She said, no, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut your mouth. Shut your face. Shut it. No, you shut up. They drive up to this beautiful church. You shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, you, shut up. No, you better shut your face. Shut up right now. Don't you. You always talk. Be quiet. Open the door. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, sister, so and so, brother, so and so. God, let me give you a hug. She's over there. Oh, God bless you. How are you? Look, girl, you look good today. Hey! Can I keep it real tonight? It's hard. You said Pastor Oliver had that? Of course. Preaching on Sunday, and you're all, yay, man. She's looking at me like, "Mm." (laughs) brother, you know you ain't right. (laughs) We're all in process. How many know it feels good to be a part of church where nobody's perfect? Nobody has it all together. But what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to keep Uh, We need to learn to bring our family along in the ministry. I believe that there's a place in the church for every member of the family. I believe that Victory Arch is not just for mom and dad. Victory Arch is not just for the single young adult. Victory Outreach is for the kids too. I'm going to say it a little stronger. Victory Outreach is for the kids too. For the young people, the children. I get so bothered sometimes when... When our young adults, they come and, well, you know, we're doing too much ministry. And I think the kids should finish school and get in school and do all that. But sometimes, well, you know, so much ministry. You know, the kids are always at church. Kids are always here, you know, and they're always doing this. And let me tell you something, man. When you come to church, bring your whole family to church. You know? Bring your whole family to church. Some people say, well, you know, what's going to happen to my kids? There's so many good examples in this church of 
kids who've been raised in the church that never had to go to the world, never had to put a needle in their arm, never know what a cigarette tastes like, and they've been serving the Lord all the days of their life in the church. Some of them are sitting here tonight. I can't think of a better family, an example of a family that brought the whole family along than the Pittman family. I mean, almost all of them were up here tonight. Howard on the guitar, Matthew on the keyboard. I don't know if little Howard, was you on the drums tonight? Or was Horace? Little Howard was on the drums tonight. Shana's up here doing her thing, getting you all into the presence of the Lord. And what's Regina sitting there right there worshiping the Lord like a proud mother because they raised their children in the house of God. We've got to grow in the area of family. Can I hear an amen? What's the second type of leader? Oh, let me hit the singles. Can I hit the singles? I told you it was discipleship night. I almost skipped it. Singles. Guys. Some of you are bracing yourself. <laughs> I see you're like, ah, what's he going to say? You need to choose a woman that loves God. You need to choose a, a, a young woman who loves God. You need to choose a, a young man who loves God more than he loves you. Let me go a little further. You need to choose a young man or young woman that is proud of their church and loves their pastors and loves their leaders and doesn't always talking negative about the church and talking negative about the pastor and talking that well I don't like this well I don't like that if you are dating someone like that dump them tonight get on the phone and say guess what I, I just got to talk to you I'm not going to hang out with you no more you're too negative I need a girl that loves God I need a girl that loves my church and I need a girl that understands that I have been called to the ministry is that alright you need that tell your neighbor you need that So if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's giving you problems in these areas, just get the scissors. I told you I felt like discipling tonight. And just... Go over there with the hoochie crowd. I need a woman of God. I need a man of God. Let me say something. The men and the women of God are better looking anyways. It's true, because they have the anointing. But if you leave the church and you stop serving God, you become ugly again. So stay in the house. I'm not this good looking. It's the anointing. I'm telling you. All right, he's got throwing some humor. Second thing, we need leaders. I'm gonna move quick. Not only to look for those who are developing character. But secondly, we need visionary and inspirational and motivational leadership. 
We need visionary, inspirational, and motivational leadership. Can I say it one more time? We need inspirational, visionary, and motivational leadership. You know, let, let, me, let me tell you why I'm preaching this point. Because there are some leaders who are just so boring. Now, if you're under a boring leader, just look at me like, hey. Bring it. <laughs> it's funny how I'm a pastor. I, I meet people all over the world. meet people here. And the, and the boringest people come up to me. Boring. You know, the, the way they sit in church, you can always see them. They sit in church. They never say amen. They're always in spade. You know, and then they come and say, Pastor. Like, What's up? Put me in the ministry. Get the heck out of here, brother. You're boring. I see your face every service. You never smile. You never sing the songs. You come dressed to church like a sloth. Put me in the ministry. Like the guy from the Goonies. Put me in the ministry. Here, right? Ain't no one gonna follow you. You're boring, you're dead spiritually. My wife says something today, you can always tell who doesn't pray. You don't pray. There's no anointing on your life. If I give you the microphone, you're gonna say all the wrong things all the time. How can I put you in the ministry? We need visionary, excited, motivated leaders at Victory Outreach San Diego. Some of you are convicted right now, huh? I said, oh. That's why you got to always watch your posture in church. Someone's always watching you. Leaders know that. You don't come to church just to, well, no one's looking at me. Oh, you better believe. And when they look at you, they're making a decision whether they're going to follow you or they're not going to follow you. And I would even venture to say some of you have already a reputation. People say, I don't want to follow that person, man. They're too negative. They're dead. They're boring. I'll back off. We need visionary leaders. We need exciting leaders. We need leaders that aren't going to kill the ministry, but are going to bring growth to the ministry. You know one of those leaders that I saw, the powerful leader in our church, and I saw that immediately him and his wife got in there, and this ministry was struggling, and this ministry was going through a hard time, and they got in there right away, Johnny and Lisa Duran. There's a life to their ministry. There's a life to their leader. There's an excitement, a quality in everything they do. And they, everything they touch, turns to gold. That's the anointing we need on leaders. That when you touch the ministry, it doesn't die. But it actually comes back to life. Come on and give God a big praise. Hallelujah. I could give you many reasons, but if you want to know why, just talk to Johnny. He'll tell you what he did. So we need leaders that are alive. Is there anyone here that's alive tonight? You know, we need leaders who are visionary, inspirational. You know, we need three things. I'll write this down. People who know how to communicate the vision with excitement. You know? 
You ever met that person? How was the service? It was all right. What was it about? I don't know. That, see, that, that's what I'm talking about. That's not a leader. What's going on in the church? Oh, I don't know. They're doing something. You're not a leader. You're, not a, you're dead. You are asleep. You are out of it. We need people that when they're asked about the church are asked, oh, this is what's happening. That's what's happening. We're doing a new series. We're going to give out toys to hurting families this Christmas. We're going to reach souls. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to add another service. We're launching out a baby church. You know what's going on, and you are excited about it. You hear me today? We need people who can communicate that with a positive attitude. Also, we need people who have spiritual vision and spiritual goals in their life. Short-term goals, long-term goals. If I were to go up to you today and say, what are your goals? Say, this is my goal. You know? I know one of my goals for a long time was to get out of personal debt. I'm getting out of debt this year. I'm getting out of debt this year. I'm getting out of debt this year. Get out of debt. So I'm, I'm going to lose some weight, Pastor. I'm going to lose, I'm gonna lose, you know, a little, some meat. Come on, somebody. We're going to let it... <laughs> We're going to let it go. Okay, and then you lost that way. Some of you say, I'm going to get married. This is my year to get married. I'm going to get married. I'm going to marry the right person. And you're here, hooked up, doing well, soaring for God. Some of you say, I'm going to go to Vetti. I'm going to go to Vetti. And you got into Vetti, and you're getting ready to graduate at the next conference, and you're on your way. Some of you said, I'm going to get more involved in this. I'm going to start wearing a suit. Whatever your goal is, you need to set that goal and meet that goal. Means work. You're not a leader. You're not a leader. You don't want to work. That's probably that's why God doesn't use you because you're too lazy. You're too lazy for God to use you. You're too. I'm tired. What are you tired from? You don't even got a job. <laughs> well, I've been looking. That's why no one hires you because you walk in, give me a job, put me in the ministry, get out of here. I'm trying to help someone get to the next level tonight. Don't worry, I'm going to call Matthew up in a minute. Is this good stuff? You ready to grow? How many believe God has a calling on their life? See, we need people who have goals. What kind of personal vision do you have? I'm talking to people in our church that say, man, I have a vision to buy a house. I have a vision to buy a condo. I have a vision to start a business. I have a vision to grow my business. I have a vision to enter into the ministry full-time. I had one guy tell me, you know, Pastor, I believe I'm going to be in the ministry full-time, and I'm working this way because I want to be in the ministry full-time. Praise God. That's a vision. I have people say, I'm going to graduate college. I'm going to graduate Bible school. What is your vision? It's the end of the year. 2015 is gone, buddy. A new year's coming. Are you ready to go into the new year with a vision and some goals? Because if you are, then you can be a part of what God is doing. And then we also need... People who know how to get other people excited. Am I getting some of you excited? I know some of you are not, uh, you know. Not, you, Jesus couldn't get you excited. If he came down, you, you so. But I think there's a good 90% of you that are getting excited. You're getting excited about next year. You're saying, you know what? You're right, Pastor. I got to make, make some changes. I got to grow. I got to set some goals. I got to do some things. See, we need people who know how to get others excited because when you're excited, it's contagious. 
When you're excited, it's contagious. When you have a vision, it's contagious. You see how contagious I'm being right now? It's contagious. Some of you are like, I could see you. Getting me, oh God, he's getting me. But you know what? I like it. I like how he's getting me. You're shifting in your chair because you know you've been comfortable. You know you've been lazy. We need some of you to get excited and get other people excited. Say, I'm excited. See, there's two types of people in the world. There's the op, the the um, optimist. And then there's the pessimist. And the pessimist is the one who's always dissatisfied about something. And I have to say this. This is the discipleship tonight. You come into church and you're dissatisfied. Now, I've been guilty of this. You know, the the hardest people to bless in a church service are the pastors. You know that? Sometimes I look at Miller here, or Aldo, you ever see Aldo getting up, going up, because he's dissatisfied, something's not right, so you're going, to God, brother, fix this, brother, fix that, <laughs> Miller's like this, oh, God, you know, I'm over here, the glory clouds here, smoke man is smoking everybody out, like we're getting baked in the house of the Lord over here, and sometimes even as pastors, we have to learn, let me say this, I had to shut out the negative and just say, okay, I'm just going to get a hold of God, man. I know that sounds not perfect, but Father, I need you. Amen. I worship here too. Amen. <laughs> but what about you? What's your attitude when you come to church? I don't like the trees. Who did the trees? <laughs> well, I don't like that. Who did that? Why is that there? Who's, who's, they changed the seating. Why are they sitting in the front now? What's going on here? Oh, who's in charge now? Who's in the, what's God? No one told me. All right, there's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to do this. Now I can't get it. You're like the teacher in Charlie Brown. <laughs> Nobody hears you. <laughs> you got to choose what kind of attitude you're going to have. You've got to be a person that says, I want to be excited about the things of God. I want to be excited about the vision. I know nothing's perfect, but I came to get the presence of God in my life. And I want to bring others along with me. Come on and give God a good, good praise today. Here's the last point, and I promise. Did you get something tonight? This was fun to preach. You guys are ready. I feel you want to grow. I feel there's a spirit to grind. And in the beginning, you're like, where are you going with this? Ananias and Sapphira. You know, what, what, is this a message on giving? Amen. You got scared, didn't you? Like, gonna... But even, even people who hear giving messages get excited. Right? But I think you're ready. The third thing we need is growing leaders. And to be a part of what God is doing, remember what I said in the beginning, you got to take your calling serious. And you've got to be in a constant place of preparation. Lean over at someone and ask them, are you still being prepared? Are you still growing? Are you still on that growth path? Amen? Or have you stalled out? It happens. You know? Just warming the pew, playing the bench roll right now. Or are you still on that growth path? We need leaders that are still growing. How do we grow? How do we 
Let, let me say this about leaders that are growing. There seems to be a divine dissatisfaction in their spirit. There seems to be, you ever been dissatisfied? You know what, I ate that turkey, but I needed some pie too. I still wasn't satisfied, and I needed some yams, and then a tamale, and then, okay, I feel good now. Well, you come into the house of God, and you say, I'm divinely dissatisfied. Sunday's not enough. Sunday's not enough. Bible study's not enough. Wednesday's not enough. I need more. How do we grow? Well, first thing is we need to grow in prayer in the Word. That's the key. If you're not praying, you're not in the Word, you're not growing. We, we need to put a stronger emphasis on prayer and a stronger emphasis on the Word. I think a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on the ministry, but we can't do the ministry until we spend time in the presence of God. And we have the word in our heart. I was so blessed last night. My daughter, who helps in the junior high, she came up to me. And I know she doesn't like me using this illustration. But I'm going to use it because it goes with this message. And she says, Dad, I have a question about how were people saved before Jesus. And I was able to talk to her and break that down for her. And she said, oh, man, that's good. We've got to have a hunger like that. We need to have to have a hunger about the word of God and the things of God. And we can't get to the place where we think we know it all. Can I hear an amen? Secondly, we not only need to grow in the word, of, word and prayer, but secondly, very importantly, we need to grow in our intellectual maturity. We need to grow our minds. Are you hearing me today? We need to grow our minds. We need to take a step of faith this year. And we say, you know what, man, I want to grow my mind. I, wanna, I, I know I have an anointing. I know I have a calling. But I want to know what I'm talking about. You know, the days of building ministry on just our testimony aren't going to make it. If you find that whenever you get the pulpit, all you're sharing is your testimony, my testimony, my te now, you know, the, the testimony is for a time, and it's powerful. And as you live life, you'll gain other testimonies and have other stories to tell of how God has been faithful to you. But you can't build the ministry on your testimony only. No matter how big of a testimony you have or how small of a testimony you have, just like me, we've got to grow our mind. We've got to be willing to develop not only our heart, but we've got to develop our skill. We've got to get to a place where we start getting involved in the school ministry, getting involved in, in, in training, getting involved in taking advantage of some of these things that the church has to offer so that we can grow our mind intellectually. Can I hear an amen? Not only do we need to grow our intellectual maturity, but thirdly, we need to grow, very importantly, our emotional maturity. You know what I've discovered in church, doing church all these years, is that many people don't grow emotionally. You, you, you know, you can preach. We get you up here, give you the mic. Ooh, you'll have people standing on their feet. We give you an instrument. You'll play that thing. People will be like, wow, man, that's like, you know, the Jesus, Jimi Hendrix for Jesus, you know, whatever it might be, you know. Play that piano. That's Billy Joel for Jesus. Amen. I don't know. Liberace. I don't know who plays the piano. No, don't be Liberace. But you got skills. You got talent. The problem is we don't grow emotionally. So we don't last. We don't last in not times of, of goodness, but times of struggle. 
And I want to tell you something, church. Times of struggle come for everybody. Not one person in this room is exempt from trials or exempt from situation and exempt from tribulation and exempt from testing. Sooner or later, every single one of us will be tested. Every single one of us will go through trials and go through circumstances. But when you let God build you emotionally, you'll be able to stand through the trial, stand through the circumstances, stand through the situation. How do you test the quality of your emotional maturity. You test it by the things you allow to discourage you. How do you test it? What discourages you? You know, I have some people who come up to me, Pastor, I need to talk to you. you know, right, right, right. Oh, God, here we go. Can I just be open tonight? I feel loose tonight. Pastor, I got like, like, the church is going to burn down. Take it easy, bro. Take it easy. I got to, oh, here we go, here we go. This guy, he said this to me or this girl. You know, and I try to be as compassionate as I can. The first time. <laughs> the second time. It's going to be okay, man. So the sister, it's going to be okay. It's all right. Maybe they're just having a bad day. The third time. The fourth time. Then finally, feel like, you know what, bro? You need to grow up. Just shut up. You know, you are so weak that you cannot handle being offended in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you something. You're going to be offended. Someone said the ministry would be perfect if it wasn't for people. Is it true or not? Let me say something to you is your emotions are going to be tested. You're going to face certain things in your life. You're going to face certain things in your leadership. You're going to face one of the things you're going to face. You're going to face rejection. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected. People are going to reject you. They're going to, you know, just come against you. They're going to be like, I don't like you. I don't like you. You're going to be also not only rejected, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized. You're going to have haters. Secret haters. Public haters. They're going to criticize you when you're doing good. I know what this is like. I know what this is like. When we took this church, it exploded, you know, and God started moving, and we hit 1,800 people, and people started criticizing me. Oh, it's just because that's Pastor Sonny. Pastor Sonny built that church. Pastor Sonny did that. Pastor Sonny did that. Pastor that. And, you know, they criticize you when you're doing good. Got 75 people in your cell group, 50 people in your cell group, 30 people in your cell group. Well, it's because that, and that's because he gives out food, and because he has pizza, and because that, and because he... Picks everyone up, and they're four, 15 of them are his cousins and uncles and Theo, and that's why. And they criticize you, and they criticize you, and they criticize you. They criticize you when you're doing good. And they criticize you when you're doing bad. The same people that said, oh, because Pastor Sonny, and because he has 15 relatives in the cell group, are the same people when you ain't got nobody. Well, it's because he got, he's not a good speaker. And he, and he, 
You're going to get criticized when you do good. You're going to get criticized when you do bad. So you might as well just do what God has called you to do. Come on and clap. I'm done. Come on, clap for the Lord. You might as well let the Lord grow you and let the Lord build you into the leader he's called you to be. You'll be disappointed. You ever been disappointed? You can come. Disappointment is when we don't get what we want. Huh? You're going to go through that. You're going to experience delays. Am I, am I talking to anybody? Well, I thought I'd be farther along by now. Been working out in the gym. Georgina tells a funny story. That guy shares with me. How was she? said, I'm going to go to the gym, you know. And she was telling Rizzy, I'm going to start going to the gym, you know. And so she went one time. And Rizzy said, don't go to the gym. I want you, Mom. No, no I'm going to go. She goes to the gym. She comes back there. And she goes, where were you? I was at the gym. It didn't work. <laughs> Kids can get away with anything. It takes time. Come on, say it. It takes time. Nothing good happens overnight. Let the Lord build you. Let the Lord grow you. Let the Lord make you. Let the Lord shape you because he wants to use your life. Let's all stand. Come on, clap for the Lord. I'm done. Come on, give him a good, good praise, if you will. And you're going to go through trials and tribulations. It's my fourth point. How do we grow? Prayer and the word, intellectual maturity, emotional maturity, and then trials and tribulations. The psalmist said in Psalms 119, 71, he says, it is good for me to be afflicted. It's good to be afflicted. It's good for me to go through stuff. How many of you say in 2015, I went through stuff? Wave at me. You went through stuff. The good thing about going through stuff is that God always makes us in the furnace of affliction. He says this, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. And if you find yourself in a furnace right now, you're in a furnace for a purpose. You're in a furnace because God's getting you ready for what he wants to do next year. I'm so excited about that. I'm excited about this word tonight. Did you receive something? He's getting you ready. He's getting me ready. He's getting Georgina ready. You had a tough year? I don't feel that bad for you because you know what? We've all had a tough year. God must be up to something good in our life. And some of you are going to be those leaders he's called you to be. But in order to do it, you got to answer the call. You've got to answer the call to the leadership. You've got to say, i got to change. i got to set some goals. i got to say to myself, I'm going to do some things this year that are going to be different. Maybe some of you just needs to dress nicer to church. Maybe some of you, it's an attitude adjustment. You're not being so negative. Maybe it's some of you getting involved in the ministry. Maybe some of you, it's let go of some ministries. Maybe you're doing too much. I don't know what it is. But we all have something that we need to do for God. And if you're here tonight and you just say, Pastor, I want to dream with you. 
I want to dream with this church. I want to be a part of what God is going to do in the future, and I want to grow. Then I just want you to come to this altar, and I want you to make an altar call right here, and I want you to let the Lord break you. If you've had a tough year, begin to thank Him for that tough year. Begin to thank Him for those trials in your life. Come on, that's it.